1: This is a Broad Hods production.
0: This is Broad Radio for you, by you. Broad Radio here for more.
2: Hi there, it's Joe Stanley here. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Broad Radio on the Go. It is always so lovely to have you. In this episode, my co host is broadcaster and inclusion and belonging leader, the very brilliant Rana Hussain. And you know what? I would say that trailblazers and heroes come in many forms. Whether it's our first guest, Dr. Kelsey Dodds, a superstar of STEM and neurophysiologist who is researching pelvic pain, or maybe it's our second guest, Broad. Radio regular and columnist Kerry Sackville, who heroically faced the horrors of swimsuit shopping. But first up, let me highlight Rana's own trailblazing brilliance. I came across this tweet from ESPN Marissa Lordanik. Do you mm, know you? Yes. Yeah. Do
1: you know Marissa? Yes, she's amazing.
2: Yes. Yeah. So uh-huh. she said the Rockaroos have earned 13 million dollars for their round 16 exit, and the Matildas earned one million dollars. <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> so yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so there's this incredible, very stark reality as far as gender pay gap is concerned. And I thought, does anything ever change, and how do we change it? And then you highlighted to me that you are going to be doing the cricket. And I thought, well, this is how it changes. Different faces, different voices, and trailblazers such as yourself doing the cricket. Tell us what you're doing (laughs) there. Yes,
1: I've been, I mean... My inner child is just buzzing. So I was very lucky to be asked to be a match day host at the ICC T20 Men's World Cup. And of course, I grew up going to the cricket, watching World Cups, sitting with my community, following the Indian or the Pakistani teams. And to actually kind of 30 years later... Be on the ground at the MCG and across the World Cup match day hosting to my own community, representing our people was just amazing. And then I get the call to say, do it all over again for this summer of cricket. And it's just It's one of those things, it's so important to me, Rana, the individual, to kind of play out a dream, you know. I would watch the sport and I loved it, but I was always watching the sideshow and who's on the mics. To then be on the ground and have young Muslim kids watch me do it and realise it's possible and get excited about it is just something else completely. And of course, it's not easy to get up in front of... Oh, my God, I would be shitting myself. 80,000 people at the MCG. (laughs) But, you know, like it's – and I do media. I'm doing this with you now. Mm. It's not something I was ever raised with the idea of doing or practised at. It's just been, all right, I'll give that a go. And so to to kind of get that opportunity to do it and to represent
2: in that way feels – huge. It's wonderful. I love that you're doing it. I love that um, you know, it's it's not just about young Muslim kids. It's about no. every person in Australia seeing a different version of an Australian person. You know, that's exactly. so critical.
1: Yeah. It's
2: so interesting. It's exciting. It's, uh, to me, thrilling to see you do it. And
1: and, and also you're man. outstanding
2: at it, by the way. Uh, so <laughs>
1: Look, it's it's fun and I like doing it. And that's always my advice to people because I do now, probably like you've gotten, gotten your whole life, get people saying, well, how do I do what you're doing? Mm. I say you kind of just have to give it a go and be willing to put your hand up. But for me, as you say, it's about my community, but it's also about showing that, sports fans also look like me as well and we love it and we might love it in a different way but we're just as valuable so it's it's kind of exciting yeah
2: but so as far as the change that we hope to see when it you know we look at this report and Mm. how far we've got to go the only way large change comes from really tiny change and this is a pretty big change to see you doing it
1: I hope so I mean I think the other thing is and I you know my day job I work with sports CEOs and and So often, it's the message of saying women matter in this game, too, and our voices matter, and our faces and our bodies you know our dollar matters and Mm. so you know if you invest in us we're gonna turn up and you know you you actually just have to build it and I think that's where we get we fall down people you know you get stuck in that cycle of oh well the men's game makes money so we invest more in that to get our dollar back but it's actually about turning up and saying no
2: women will turn up to sport too because we love it too so invest in us Mm, love it congratulations and I can't wait to see you there on the MCG thank you it's a pretty beautiful thing to walk on the mcg oh it's stunning (laughs) it's stunning gives you thrills well congratulations to you and i can't wait for that over this summer um in just a moment we're going to meet another trailblazer we carry on celebrating trailblazers. And this moment, we're going to be doing it with one of this year's superstars of STEM. She's a neurophysiologist who is most passionate about understanding how pain signals are detected by female reproductive organs like the uterus, which makes me most passionate about her. Hello, Dr. (laughs) Kelsey Dodds. It's lovely to see you.
3: Hello, Joe. Hi, Rana. Hi, everyone. Hello. Thanks for having me. So
2: not everyone knows about superstars of STEM. I I am mm. aware of it because I've been lucky enough to be a mentor as a part of the program and I'm not someone who has any idea about STEM, but I shared what I could as a mentor, which was, well done, keep going with what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but can
3: you explain
2: as one of the participants what superstars mm-hmm. of STEM is all about?
3: Yeah, sure. So Superstars of STEM, it's a program that's run by Science and Technology Australia and its goal is to raise the profile of women and non-binary people that are in STEM careers within the media so that there's more diverse role models for young Australians to look up to in STEM.
2: I just love
1: it. Music (laughs) to my ears. I can't tell you. It is so
3: amazing and game-changing
2: yeah and it's had huge impact particularly um with you know young girls and you know high school students
3: yeah Yep, that's right. So I don't know exactly what we're going to do in the program because um, for my cohort, it starts next year. But I do know that we get to visit high school students and opportunities through the media, such as radio and on TV and training um, with interviews and how to speak to the public. So yeah, it's an amazing platform to, to help us. Can I ask
1: you, Dr. Kelsey, I have a seven-year-old at home who is quite STEMmy, which is also very strange for me who's <laughs> not at all STEM-y. Uh, is there an age where that kind of clicks on for young people? Because I know with sport, and I'm in sport, there's that thing where you kind of try and introduce it to them early. Is there an age where young mm-hmm. girls in particular do start to tune in to STEM?
3: sure about that rana i think the younger that you get the exposure the better because people will will start to think from that young age oh that's something i can do when, when i was young i didn't really see any any women or diverse people in STEM. So I actually never considered it for a career for myself. I was always into dancing and I thought I was going to be a professional dancer. And it wasn't until I was much older that I started to see, particularly actually in university, I started to see some really great women and diverse leaders. And that's when I thought, oh, okay, maybe this could be for me, but I would have loved to have known when I was younger. So I think in primary school, we would be great. Well, I... I have
2: had to check myself on the gender stereotypes that I suppose I have been brainwashed by because my daughter is quite stemmy, and which, by the way, I love that now as a term. <laughs> I, think, I think we just I'm adopting that. Yeah, let's quite go stemmy. Um, but I have had to check the gender stereotypes that I have adhered to because I was surprised oh look at look at look how into sort of which is stupid right it's like being surprised Mm. that a girl can play footy Mm. it's it's just a brainwash that I have absorbed particularly as her father has got a PhD in engineering never used it (laughs) (laughs) became a filmmaker but anyway so you know genetically you'd think she might actually inherit some of that turns out she did Mm. but I think that we are surprised when girls are STEMI which is stupid right
3: yeah, I think so. We have all the capability. It's just about recognising that we can do it and having the opportunity to do it. Mm,
2: exactly right. Let's get to your yep. research, which I absolutely love. It's, oh, into, sure. it's into how organs talk to our brain, right, and mm-hmm. particularly the sensations that our organs yes. tell our brain. Can you explain it in yes. a way that I would understand because I am not STEMI. Mm,
3: all right, well, let's give it a go. So, um... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> You can tell she's going, oh, I've got it cut out
2: for me now. (laughs) (laughs) No.
3: No. Well, see, this is what I'm looking forward to in Superstars of Same, because as a scientist, we're very used to using jargon terms and speaking to kind of um, other people within STEM, but it's really important for us to learn how to speak to the public and to be able to use language that everyone can understand. So that's what I'm really looking forward to um, learning to do in the program. So that's what I mean by let's give it a go. Let me see if I can think of a way to be able to explain it to you. Okay. So all of our internal organs, they speak to our brain to, to tell us what we need. So for example, our stomach will um, sense that we're hungry and it will tell our brain, you know, it's time to eat some food or our bladder will start to get full and it will say, it's time to go to the toilet now. So um, these are the sorts of sensations from our internal organs that, that I study. And my area of expertise in particular is female reproductive tract. So in that space, it's more about how pain signals are, are sent to our brain and how we recognize um, that. Hmm. And so,
2: are the are the signals different between pain and hunger, and you know they, Yeah, do they vary? Like, how how does the brain pick it up as a different signal?
3: Yes. So these signals, they're actually detected by different nerves. So we have specific nerves that detect pain, specific nerves that detect hunger. And so when those signals are sent to the brain, it will know which nerves that it comes from so that it can differentiate those types of signals.
1: So I've got a couple of questions. We often talk about women kind of being quite stoic and and Mm. just sitting on their pain and not raising it. Do men and women experience pain differently? Is there research around that? Is that something that you would look at?
3: Yes. So so pelvic pain, both men and women experience pelvic pain, um, but the signals are different, particularly when it comes to chronic pain. there There's a lot of research now showing that men and women process chronic pain differently. So yes, there is definitely sex differences. And That's actually a huge issue in my line of research in in the pain space because typically it's only been men that have been studied. So there's a huge lack of information on female-related pain. And now it's beginning to be recognised that It should be looked at in females and so there's a lot of extra research now looking at female specific pain, which is great because it is processed differently. It means it needs to be treated differently and that's one of the reasons why pelvic pain and pain in women is is not treated very well these days. It's because we simply don't have the knowledge and we don't have the tools to be able to treat it.
2: And it does seem when you hear it over and over that women will present with pelvic pain for whatever reason Mm. and are completely dismissed. Is that part of the reason Mm. that there's just no knowledge?
3: Yes. It starts off with an acknowledgement that women are not making up their pain. They genuinely do feel it. When women present with pain, it's usually taken a lot of effort to get there. So they shouldn't be dismissed um, because often we're told, you know, it's all part of being a woman. Mm. Um, that's just how it is. So why complain? And so absolutely, it needs to start off with an acknowledgement that it's a real thing and then look into the reasons why it's actually happening.
1: Mm. I was just going to say, so is that the message today that if you are feeling pain, don't just sit on it. Mm. Go go get it checked out. I know so many women in my family who absolutely. will do that. They'll, they'll complain mm. that something's hurting and if you mm-hmm. say, well, go get it checked out, they're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing about pelvic pain in particular is is there is often a delay in diagnosis just because someone won't present early enough. But the longer that you leave it, the more opportunity there is for things to go wrong so it kind of snowballs and then there's more things to treat it's not just that simple issue in the beginning it's actually kind of it's moved on to different organs it's it's coming from different sources and so you need a multi-modal um, kind of approach to treat it so it's much more difficult
2: But I think it's about to stepping back to like mm. even before the pain and mm-hmm. when we go through puberty actually opening the door to the conversation whereby mm. there's no shame in talking about periods there's no shame in talking about reproductive processes Mm. and really starting that conversation with our 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 daughters and people who have periods to say it's okay to talk about it right from the beginning
3: Mm. absolutely so um first and foremost to know that period pain or bad period pain it's not that's not a normal type of pain and it's not something that you should you should put up with. There is a small element of pain that is expected, but when you know you miss out on school or work or it's not treatable by anti-inflammatories, you know your normal um, ibuprofen or whatever, that's not normal. So um, actually the Pelvic Pain Foundation of Australia, they run a series of school workshops called Pep Talk and these Pep Talks are where educators go around to schools to teach not only girls but boys as well that periods and pain um, are not normal and and to seek help Mm. if you need it.
1: Do you think we're getting better at having those conversations? Have you seen that change over time?
3: Yes. I have seen it particularly in the last five years and that really stemmed in the endometriosis field to to begin with. Um, So endometriosis is a gynecological condition where lesions of the uterus grow in the pelvis and it's quite common. There's about one in 10 or one in nine people um, within Australia that, that have the condition. So about five years ago, there were a series of Advocates and healthcare professionals that spoke to Parliament about this particular condition that had been dismissed, um, and that led to a formal apology by the um, health minister at the time, Greg Hunt, um, to these people, and they really acknowledged pelvic pain to to be an issue in in our country, and they've started to put more money into into that research. So since that time, I have seen a real shift in talking about pelvic pain, endometriosis, period pain, and um, it's been amazing to see.
2: Mm. Um, You are at the forefront also, though, in your research. You've contributed to a novel medical device to treat pelvic pain. Can you tell us about Mm. that?
3: Yes. So this device, um, it was... Uh, The idea was initiated and developed by Associate Professor Susan Evans, who is the founder and CEO of Alira Biotech in Australia. She's a gynaecologist and pelvic pain specialist. Um, And so this device, I can't talk a lot about it at the moment because it's still in development, but what I can say is that it's an intrauterine device. So that is similar to um, what you might have heard of um, talking about contraceptives, like an intrauterine contraceptive device, or the Marina, you might be mm-hmm. familiar with. So it's similar to that. It, it goes into the uterus, and it contains um, a compound that is pain relief. It's analgesic. Mm. So that is how it works to to treat pelvic pain. And so that will be undergoing clinical trials next year, and hopefully, will be a new kind of avenue to treat pelvic pain soon in the future. Wow.
2: That's so clever, Amazing.
3: so simple yeah. and clever. <laughs> right? You're very steamy. Yeah. i hope that's up there
1: next to your phd which is very stemmy
2: um what i love though is that even that organization that that um biotech you know organization exists that is is dedicated obviously to research and treatment for gynecological issues because again i feel Mm -hmm. you know that that is that's a huge step forward
3: Mm. yeah it's amazing there's not one one thing difficulty about pelvic pain is because we don't know a lot about it um and and how it develops we don't have a lot of novel treatment um avenues to try and so that's what's really amazing about allura biotech and and these other companies who are working to develop new treatments for pelvic pain Um, it's so that we have those options available to try and um, yeah relieve pain Mm. in such large proportion of our of our female population
2: well and uh, you know we were talking earlier about the recent report about uh how how far we have to go for gender pay parity simply alone let alone Mm. all the other uh gender inequalities um Something like pelvic pain really has an impact on that. Like we know that endometriosis has an impact financially Mm. on sufferers. So this is fantastic. This is all contributing to, uh, you know, shifting basically gender inequality. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well done. Thanks
2: so much. Uh, It's been great to have you on Broad Radio, Kelsey, and uh, congratulations on being a superstar of STEM.
3: Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been it's been great to talk to you.
2: And thank you for your patience in explaining
3: all of that <laughs> to us.
1: Well, <laughs> I feel a little bit more STEM now. It's great. Thank you, Dr. Kelsey. Thanks,
2: Kelsey.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
2: Oh, it's time for a laugh and for us all to understand that we're not alone when it comes to the horrors of swimsuit shopping. Oh Hello, one of our favourite co-hosts on Broad Radio. She's brilliant and hilarious, and one of my favourite columnists as well, Kerry Sackville. Hello. I am definitely not STEMmy. So <laughs> you're not STEMmy. <laughs> I mean, it's just oh, such a great term. Um, um, did you ever uh, did you study STEM at all, Kes?
4: Um, for my HSC, which was, you know, in about 1920, um, I just scraped through. I did one science subject, I did um, biology, and I got 52%. Oh, I remember. Look, very proud at least you of knew early. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's a win. I would take that.
4: <laughs> it's a total win. But I just wanted to say that I feel like this segment kind of segues really nicely from the last one because we all know that pelvic pain is an issue, but it's nothing compared to the pain of buying a swimsuit. <laughs> That is the most profound Preach. thing that anybody has
2: oh, do. None so of us are disagreeing. Sh- <laughs> pelvic schmelvic So you, Kez, uh oh, you did you you basically you did bear all when you took us through a recent shopping expedition.
4: I did, and, and look, the only reason I did it is because I've been wearing the same swimsuit literally, I think, for six or seven years. Just a very basic black kind of bikini, but quite, you know, a, not not a teeny weeny insy bikini, like a, a reasonably um, cumbersome bikini, you might say. But anyway, it had completely <laughs> degraded to the point where last last summer, when I was swimming, you know, I've got. I'm not big in the chestal area, let's be real. Like, it, it's all just padding here. Like, I can go like that and I won't feel anything because it's just so padded. So, I was wearing a swimsuit with the cups, you know, the ones that, mm-hmm. that kind of have in molded cups. Yeah. And every time I would bend over, you'd just see my poor little boob, like, kind of sitting in there all meekly, kind of looking <laughs> up. So, I decided it was time for a new one. And I went to the shops. And my God, what a horrific experience. First of all, as we all know, what is going on with the lights in mm. change rooms? It's yeah. change rooms. Why do they have to be fluorescent? Why can't they put some nice dim, you know, mm. muted lighting? Explain mm. that to me because I don't get it.
2: Well, but is it because they want you to know the full reality <laughs> so that you don't get a shock okay, when you then well. see yourself on the beach, you know, reflected in a mirror sunglasses <laughs> or something, and you go, holy shit, if I'd, knew, if I'd known I looked like that, I would not have bought these bathers."
4: Do you think I don't? I don't know. I I don't know what it is. I think it's just carelessness. I think I would be much more inclined to spend time in a change room if the lights weren't making me look like. I mean, I was 107 and had just woken up from a three month coma. I mean,
1: you really. I think I actually think there's some kind of Hunger Games situation going on. Someone's watching us all, just like who's yes. going to crack first. That's
4: that's
1: yes. that's the conspiracy theory. I'm yes, going and with.
4: also none of them like very few women's change rooms actually have doors that go all the way to the bottom and and you know and then and then you get like the little hand coming and say oh can I help you with anything how are we going there and you're wearing you know your underwear with a tiny bikini on the top and Mm. oh it's just awful but the other thing is you know I, I remember being 15 16 and I could walk into a shop and pick anything off the rack and it looked amazing because all the swimsuits are designed for very young very firm bodies even the girls who are bigger you don't have to be skinny but they they just have this kind of lovely firmness and Mm -hmm. everything is Mm -hmm. kind of in place and the boobs are where they should be and the bum is where it should be and the material has no hold at all it's kind of just like on top of you instead of holding you and I want to be held like I want to feel compressed by my swimwear yeah that that, you know nothing's going to fall out or or you know flap open yeah I had a similar. Flap open is
2: is quite an image. Um, <laughs> I had a similar experience this last summer where I made the mistake of trying on bathers with my thirteen year old daughter in the room. Oh no. And so she was she was crying with laughter going, Mum, why don't your boobs stay in? <laughs> And yeah. I've gone because, babe, yeah. boobs don't do that when I you put. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but also, exactly. as you say, the fabrics aren't like there's no seam or anything. Then you just no. you just kind of hang out the side, and Everywhere. most definitely, there's a very they don't put enough fabric where your lady bits are, like yes, that exactly. That just this flaps is. all over the place. Yes. That's
1: something I think is so foreign for me because I, lo- I loved your piece carrie because it gave me an insight into it an experience i have to say i don't think i've ever had in that we being a muslim woman bikinis are just a no-go zone for us so yeah. i was raised wearing you know like a one piece when i was young like very little and then t-shirt and Pant like leggings in the water that's how we went into the water and my sister-in-law will wear her a full dress like we just don't have the concept of bikinis at all and it just yeah. I thought this is mortifying the, the idea of trying on bikinis in front of a whole bunch of people feels genuinely terrifying
4: to mm. me yeah and it's also it's something that, that does come with with buying swimsuits it's something that, that you don't experience in any other area of your life it really is a question of what am I going to reveal Like how am I going to, you know, wear a one piece and keep everything covered? But then the one pieces, you know, there's all sorts of things with the one pieces. A lot of them are very high cut or they're very plunging here or they've got no backs. And for someone like me, because I, again, I'm small breasted and the one pieces either come with absolutely no support. So it just, I'm literally like kind of flattened, like hanging down inside. It's a terrible look. And the ones that do come with support, again, have these built-in cups that are all meant for women who are D. D-sized cup and bigger, so I just, you know, I'm sitting inside them. So one piece is tend not to look so great on me. So with two pieces, you're deciding what will I show? So am I going to have to go with the swimsuit that is more high cut, um, so, so it comes up, you know, to my waist but is incredibly high cut, so it's showing half of my crotch, which I really don't want to do, or the ones that are showing half my bum cheeks, or the ones that are lower and covering my bum cheeks but then, you know, reveals my whole stomach, or the bra top that is a triangle that's revealing all my cleavage, or the ones that come across <laughs> but then can slip down. So it's this constant juggle. What skin do I want to show? And quite frankly, I, I don't know if I want to show any skin at this point. So I think there is something to be said for the bikini.
1: I think the bikini is the way to go. I, I also, love the idea it's, of the bikini. Well,
4: it's, it's just... It's full
1: coverage. There's no yeah. sunscreen. Very sun really. smart. Exactly. Mm. It's actually, I was at the pool the other day and a woman stopped me and asked where I got my bikini because she said, oh, that's actually so much more sensible for me. But I'm also thinking while I listen listen to you, we need some kind of over 30s swimwear mm. shop. Where
2: I'm sure <laughs> they I exist. I'm got sure it. they exist. But that's yeah. not gonna help the voices in my head. No. And the voices in my head are the worst because you know what? I, ideologically, I want to say, I don't give a shit what I look like. I'm going to go to the beach, have the best time with my daughter, go swimming, whatever, stand up paddleboarding. I'm describing a life that will never be mine because I don't like the water. <laughs> but
3: let's. let's <laughs> <get it. laughs> She's
4: go to go paddleboarding <laughs> completely every afternoon.
2: Paddleboarding—that's me. I'm totally into that. <laughs> Once I finish kite surfing, but I—I <laughs> I want to be that person who doesn't mm, care. Mm. But I have been brainwashed to think I should care, and that really yeah. pisses me off.
4: Because yeah, think, honestly, yeah. why? Why? Like, yeah. is there a bloke alive who cares? No, oh, men don't care. Men, men don't care at all about that kind of thing. This is all women judging other women. Of course, it's mm. because we've internalised all the messages that we're getting from the world that this is what you need to to be not even attractive. This is what you need to be a valid woman in the world. And I have a real issue with, you know, the whole kind of concept of gorgeous over 50 now, which is all over the media. All mm. these women are still sexy over 50. But but what they look like when you're looking at, at these women who are the supposed role models for women over 50, people like Nicole Kidman, Uh, Jennifer Lopez, um, Jennifer Aniston, and these are women who still have bodies like they did when they were 30 or, or yeah. probably 25 because that is their job and and you know they're working out probably three hours a day and they have trainers and chefs and and the rest of us can't and shouldn't look like that mm. and I generally feel really good about myself and my body and I'm, I'm happy with how I am and I don't mind that I've got a stomach because I have three children I don't mind that my boobs you know aren't pert anymore because I breastfed three children but when you start trying on swimwear that is designed for you know, 20-year-old bodies or 15-year-old bodies, that's when you start to, to feel bad about yourself. So in fact, I was sent a swimsuit after the article came out, which was really supportive and, and kind of held me in all the right places, and I felt much better. The problem with that, though, is that a lot of these specialty swimwear stores are online, and I don't mm. feel that that swimwear is a, is a great kind of piece of clothing to be buying online because you just don't know how it's going no. to work until you try it on. No, absolutely. So we we, do, we need the department stores to stock a wider range of swimwear. I went to oh, the department yes. stores and it was hopeless, tiny range, garish colours, tiny, tiny, tiny swimsuits. Mm. And that's where women of our age are shopping, I think. Yeah, you're so, so right.
2: Yeah. Just a wider, wider range. Market, for the yeah. for the for the bodies that just you know where we just go you know what even if I was Jennifer Aniston I'd be just like I'm done <laughs> but like I'm, I'm tired I've always been a
1: plus size <laughs> yes. young person like mm. it's I've all I've never ever walked into a store and felt like this is for me it's always been a struggle mm. I would love more diversity in that way as well but I think we were talking about so, Europe off air mm. before and I think what's so great about their beach culture is that they do wear really skimpy bikinis. Yeah. Yes.
2: But all the women wear them. Oh, they every do. Every
1: size yes. and shape. And I love that. And age as well. And age, yeah. Yes. And a, friend, a friend of mine Did came back
2: from um, Italy and she said, there are grandmas in G-strings over there. And I was like, yeah. great. Yeah, bring
4: it on. Bring it on, grandma. <laughs> and, why not? And I'm very two about, minds about Instagram as well because when I got my new swimsuit, there was a part of me that wanted to put a photo of myself on Instagram in my swimsuit to show what an actual human you know 54 year old body looks like when it's given birth but then I'm kind of I don't want to be part of that culture as well where women feel the need to put you know mm. or, or I mean who wants to do it is fine but I don't want to then be be saying right we women need to take off our clothes on Instagram in order to be validated and mm. have people tell us how good as well so it's a really it's just it's all a mindful it. it's all very very tricky. Oh, yeah. It
2: is well you're very brave I couldn't be nodding <laughs> harder at you, Karen. <laughs> just furiously nodding in agreement. It's true. So, Kez, enjoy your time in your swimsuit wherever you are. Are you a
4: beach goer or a pool goer? Um, I'm a lying by the pool, eating mm. a burger, drinking a cocktail kind of girl. Mm. Oh, like occasionally nice. taking a dip, like just a gentle immersion when I mm. when I get too hot. Like not a lapse and definitely no kite surfing or paddle boarding. Like, <laughs> nah. no. Nah. But the, yeah, the cosy's yeah, going like to come bad. off. Like the betas are going to fall down and the boob's going to pop out and no one yeah. wants to see that. So no. I'll, I'll
2: step up. Kez, as always, thank you so much. It's been awesome to have you periodically on Broad Radio this year. We love having you as a part Great of our team. To
4: you too. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Kez.